boys on the pod. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're the boys on the pod. The pod people, the pod boys. Here we are. We're buried in shit. <laughs> kind of. Uh, I'm the meanest girl you know, Matisse Van Rossum. This is the estate of Ben Sheets. I am regretfully informing everyone that uh, he did not get out of live. Damn. And we will miss him and cherish his memory for at least a week or two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm the butt with a mouth. (laughs) Oh, sure. It's a reference to the, one of the movies. Butt mouth. Yeah. Get Not usually, but uh, just 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 for today because of the reference. You're, you're just the butt mouth today. Mm-hmm. Okay, so does that mean you're going to be spewing a lot of shit? No. Oh. Just facts. Just <laughs> straight facts today. Uh, well, this is our uh, final little catch-up of 2021. Uh, I won our prediction game from last year, so I got to pick the movies. I picked two movies for us. We're going to be talking about them, and we're going to start talking about them right now. Right here. Right, right here, now. right now. The Let's first one. Go. The first um, movie that we're going to be talking about that I picked is a movie called Seance, and it's written and directed by Simon Barrett, and it stars a lot of interchangeable pretty teenage girls. You're listening to P.O.D., the dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> WPOD the dipshit. <laughs> uh yeah, so séance. Uh I picked this one because uh it is I think Simon Barrett's feature length directorial debut. Uh he also did one of the segments segments uh segments in uh, <laughs> going to be one of those. It's going to be one of those. Here we go. Um Good. They're my favorite. He did he did one of the segments in VHS 94, which I thought was okay. But this was his first feature. We generally like Simon Barrett around here for the most part. Uh, guest well, is great. The guest your next is, fa- is great. The guest is fantastic. Uh, your next is fantastic. He did also collaborate with Adam Wingard on that Blair Witch soft reboot, which I don't like. None of us like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I uh, wanted to see what he could do with the with the writing and a directing. Well, he made Scream. <laughs> He, he did. He made Scream meets Mean Girls. But is less funny? I don't know. I Yes, um, but but I would say almost completely devoid of humor. If I yeah. If I really hated this movie, I would say I couldn't Simon Bear it anymore, but I don't know if it was that bad. It was alright. Yeah, it's it was okay. okay. Yeah. It was okay. I mean I, I think that, you know, there are some some interesting ideas, but basically throughout the duration of this movie, all we discovered was that collectively we could write a more interesting plot than Simon yeah, we, we kept for this movie. We kept guessing like who the killer was, and we had all these like fun theories, and I think that our fun theories were way more interesting than yeah. And I think in the movie's defense, a little bit, the movie kind of asks for you to kind of guess who it is it's kind of a whodunit with lots of twists yes. and turns mm-hmm. and kind of narrative reversals and yeah flips. but like the the reveal should be like pretty fun if you're going to do a whodunit if you're going to keep your audience like guessing the whole time then your reveal needs to be pretty fun or kinky you know like well the thing uh, is is like we thought we thought we had it nailed down like several times in the movie it's like oh yeah that's it like that's the twist that's what it's gonna be and 
You know, like, even if we thought it was maybe a little bit predictable, we are like, yeah, that makes sense. That'll be a cool turn. Mm -hmm. And then the movie just ends up not being creative at the end. Like, the reveal is just kind of... Those don't really have motive. Yeah. Like, the the motive is they like killing. And it's like, okay, seen it. Again, very Scream-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, but less the, fun. Yeah, but the yeah. Scream killer, like, really gets off on it and has fun the whole movie. You know? Like, it's really clear that, like, the, the Scream killer is, like, dangling people's entrails from trees. And he's going full on. And, he's, and, he, and he makes jokes the whole time you know he's doing uh, he's doing a freddy krueger like he's having fun with it and this killer like we never really see them except for like a, a boring mask they don't ha- they don't speak when they're killing so we don't get any of that we don't get any of the the, the fun and the and the zhuzh and the zazz like and, and the kills are kind of yeah there's that's a, that was another big problem i had is that the kills are not particularly creative until like one or two fun ones at like the very end yeah it's like your your opener is someone's pushed out a window okay like seen it it's just well, a bit of blood at the like, bottom yeah, too it's not like their head is split open or anything crazy yeah the like, the dancer kill is pretty cool that one's good that it's one's good very giallo yeah that one just feels like pulled straight from suspiria uh in a good way i mean it's yeah, it's fine. stylish you know yeah. and and there's a lot of like there's a lot of homage to suspiria i mean it's at a girl's school which is kind of similar to like a dance academy Very and giallo yeah, yeah it's it's a, a bunch you know it's it's a uh, almost entirely female cast stylistically it's not really giallo though like, at times I, it at, is at, at but very few and far between the scene where the girl who's there dancing some gets shots. killed in like the mirror room is once again very Suspiria, but that feels like that feels like Giallo to me. But a lot of it just doesn't. But it feels like it's kind of playing at it. It's got a really ill-fitting score, like we were talking about. Yeah, the I think, score is yeah. Bad. I think we're really spoiled by Malignant at this point too. Like, which I mean, like it's not fair to compare the two, especially budget-wise. It's night and day. But Malignant like really nails like the bright lights and the killer score and all of the Jallo aesthetics. Um, whereas this film, I don't know, the mask yeah, I mean, is very scary. The... Argento films, like yeah. It, I was just going for modern takes on yeah. on Jallo. The, the score is like really synthy, like similar to the guest, but much less well done. But it doesn't suit well, the setting at all. The production is weird. There are some like odd choices where the music is like distracting. Like it's making like these yes. weird like. Yeah, there are, there are a couple of piece like particular pieces. I like in, weird tunes, in the score but... that are just like sound like somebody who doesn't know what to write just sort of noodling, noodling. on a keyboard yeah. and they record and be like yeah that, that's what i got <laughs> you know like it that's does the it, scene and it's only for like one scene where it's like that it doesn't it, it doesn't like fit like a theme or whatever it's not the same as like uh, it's not like greasy strangler where like the music like is weird and awful done. but it's very intentional yeah. and uh it also like repeats on a motif to the point where like you're almost laughing at it again after it becomes like super obnoxious uh yeah and here it was just like this one track and i was like what why like i don't should we maybe talk i missed about the plot a little bit yeah yeah spoilers for uh uh this film i mean you know i wouldn't not recommend it it's fine 
with friends, but there's there's yeah. a lot of other movies I think you, I don't you, know if I'd your really, time would be better spent watching. I don't know if I'd really recommend it overall. But anyway, yeah. um, the plot basically centers around this uh, new girl showing up to like a private, exclusive, like girls boarding school after the mysterious death of one of the girls. More like a boring girls school. Am I right? Yes, you are right. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I am. She, you know, she has a kind of mysterious past. We don't really know who she is or where she came from she's very tight-lipped about who she is um and we still don't by the end yeah right um (laughs) which is fine i guess uh but she uh sort of gets wrapped up in this mystery uh, uh around uh a ghost and uh more girls getting murdered at the school I gotta tell you, man, all white women look the same. I I couldn't, I really couldn't identify, like, one character the next. It was... Bro, I said that, like, 15 minutes into the movie. I was like, when we start recording this podcast, the hardest thing is gonna be to find a descriptive way to differentiate any of these characters. Because they're not all white, most of them are white, but even the ones who aren't are, in terms of personality identical to the rest they're all white bread and like it's it's, just it's it's really big it's just a big group of like mean bitchy teenage girls yeah there's no like whole grain characters in here like it's yeah and and like it's partially like it feels intentional like i guess but did they do anything with that you know do they get kind of mean girls with it like do they you know have that much fun with no. the characters, no, they they still do the same stereotypical generic things, and I really just I don't know, man. I feel I feel like the guest was a fluke. I just I don't know. No, I'm starting to wonder. Not. Like, I mean, your next is also great. I need to see your next. Yeah, I, you know, in terms of Adam Wingard, I really enjoyed Godzilla vs Kong too, and Simon Barrett definitely has good writing chops. Yeah, you totally. Know, this this film was very competently made, I would say, mm-hmm. and written. You know, I think it's, it's serviceable. Not good I don't know if it's competent. Or inventive. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's competent, but it plays everything way too safe. It doesn't It's boring. Um, which is a big reason why I have a problem with it as a Simon Barrett film, because I consider him a uh you know, like Blair Witch aside, a sort of creative and transgressive like horror film writer. Like, the guest is very creative, and it's very uh, out of the box, you know, it takes... i the man out the box! Uh, it, it takes a lot of, like, 80s slasher movie tropes and kind of subverts them in fun, interesting ways. And your next is the same. And I think that's part of the reason, like, we were all trying to, like, guess what the, the answer to the mystery was going to be, because knowing it's a Simon Barrett film, we expect it to be clever. And the most surprising thing is by the time we get to the end, it's like, this isn't clever. This is generic and boring. Yeah, well, with the guest, you know, having that under your belt, you expect a wild third act left turn. Yes. And the finale of this really isn't that, you know. No, it's It's a conclusion that, like, if you picked up clues you could probably guess it's but you can't because because the killers don't have any good motive so there's no reason to guess our our mistake was trying to guess their motive the whole movie we've been like oh it's probably maybe it's this character because of x reason and it turns out oh there wasn't a reason they just like killing and so like there is it's not a good whodunit because they're the whole point is what's the motive and a whodunit and they don't have one 
so I don't know. Like uh, for me, it just really didn't. Uh, it really didn't hit that hit that yeah. mark. Yeah. So because like you can you can guess all day, but oh, your guess doesn't really matter because like there's nothing actually telling you who it is. You know, because like they don't have a, a good reason to want to well, do it. Yeah. So there's this sort of it's kind of a red herring, kind of not. There's this whole thing about like the the ghost of the boarding school or whatever. The movie starts. This twist with, you guessed. Yeah, early. pretty early on. Uh, I don't think it was too difficult to guess. but No, I don't think so either. Um, the movie starts with, like, these girls uh, doing a sort of, like, Bloody Mary ghost summoning ritual, like, in the bathroom in the middle of the night. And, you know, it turns out to be a prank. But one of the girls is, like, really scared by it, and she runs off to her room. And then, ooh, what's that? Something's in her room, and she... Uh, falls out the window so it sets you up to kind of be like okay so they did summon the ghost it just didn't happen in the way they thought it would or whatever but i guessed pretty early on that it was a friendly ghost well that there is a ghost that girl that girl who dies like when the new girl shows up like she takes her room and we like see a couple of like supernatural things happen. She like sees that girl like standing in her room. And so like I called pretty early on the ghost of the girl who died is real, but she was not killed by a ghost. She was killed by a person, you know, uh, a crazed killer on the campus who's killing people. And like, yeah, that turns out to be correct. But, you know, then like, I think you were the first one to suggest Cleveland that the killer would actually be the new girl who showed up, who well, took her spot because, you know, it was an exclusive, difficult school to get into. There were no spots. So you were saying that, you know, she killed the first girl right. so she could take her spot in the school. Because she's already, like, shown like she has a mysterious past or whatever and, like, that she can handle herself. Yeah. And she's sort of causing, like, drama for no reasons. Like, she's just, getting into fights and stuff. She's kind yeah. of a... I mean, she's she's defending mm-hmm. herself against, like, the bitchy mean and girls. Later but... on, the movie, like, uh, a good deal later, like, as I called that pretty early. And then, like, a decent while later on, the movie really sets you up to think that. Um, you know, afterwards, like, there was a sequence where they kind of play it up, like, okay, th- that is what the audience is supposed to be guessing. But another thing I did also suggest is, hey, maybe it's the... Or I said it's, I hope it's not the guy, because that would make too much sense. Because he has the keys. Yeah, the and one, the the, guess what? <laughs> the janitor who is the son of the headmistress. He's yeah, like I was hoping that way. And also, yeah. like, oh, he's the one guy in the film. Right. You know, so, like, oh, he can overpower the women or whatever bullshit, you know? Well, like, we mentioned, we mentioned that it, early on, and we were like, no way, it's too obvious. It's too obvious yeah. and too dumb. It's not It's not fun or, you know, entertaining. And it's like, he's, he's I think you, and then you said, yeah, he's a red, he's probably a red herring. Yeah. It's an obvious, it's like, it's a, it's an obvious red herring. Like, of course he would be the first suspect. Yeah, the guy with the keys. You know, he has all the power. The guy with the keys, yeah, the one the one man on campus, you know. Uh, he's the headmistress's son, so he can get away with anything. He's the son. He's, like, charming and handsome and, like, flirts with the girls and stuff. Like, it's, it's obviously setting up for him to be the killer. So we were like, no way, that's too obvious. But then, fucking spoiler alert... He is the killer. Yep. It well, does. There's two. There's two killers. Yeah. The other one, and the other one just turns out to be just like one of the girls who is has no motivation or is like there's nothing. Well, he doesn't to, either. Yeah. There's nothing to point to her being 
the killer. Like, she's one of the only ones we didn't guess yeah. by the end because she's a she's a throwaway side I character. I mean, it's a great example of shitty subversion, right? It's the character you would never expect because the movie never sets you up to, like— sets her up like to be a point of interest right with that and the problem with it is yeah we didn't she see blends it coming into the background so you don't expect yeah it. we didn't they, see it coming they, but like it, we don't feel like the wool was pulled over our eyes either like it's not fun like and dis- I, I, i've said this many times on the podcast like like it's it is totally okay to be able to guess your killer it's okay to let your uh your viewer feel good about getting it right at least then it makes sense in your world or whatever else like that i'm saying you have to but it's totally fine like for, let your for audience that. feel smart leave them the clues and let them figure it out so when the reveal happens and they guess it right they feel good about it they're like yeah, yeah i'm i'm smart i figured mm-hmm. it out really. or, or give them a really dumb motive you know or like yeah. something funny or fun like there's a billion ways to do it just Yeah, I I mean, the character was really underbaked. Her distinguishing feature is that she got like a $250,000 scholarship, which just seems absurd, first off. I mean, it is absurd, (laughs) but I will correct you on one thing. Actually, her only distinguishing feature is that she wears glasses. But several other (laughs) girls wore, wore glasses. No, she was that was glasses girl. Mm, the uh the the lead one who was kind of mean, like she also wore glasses. Did she? Yes. I missed that. Did she? Um, Did she? When? she? I don't, think, I don't so. think she does. Maybe she didn't. All no, white girls look but, the same. No, she's eyebrows, remember? Yeah, she she's eyebrows. eyebrows. She did have she's eyebrows. eyebrows. Yeah, it's true. Um, That's true. Yeah, glasses girl. And sh- the thing is she's like so mi- she's so <laughs> milk toast and nondescript that when that when it's revealed that like she was helping the guy all along because like they're in love or whatever that like when she, when they do her reveal she's not wearing her glasses and i was, was like sitting there for like 5 minutes like furrowing my brow like who is this bitch like i like w- when have, were we introduced to her and then they do a flashback to an earlier scene where like they are investigating one of the girls rooms and she has kind of a sly look on her face i'm like oh it's fucking glasses but she's not wearing her glasses so i didn't even recognize her it's like clark it's like, Damn, maybe Clark Kent to Superman would work. Yeah, maybe. I mean, also, like, I do have a certain degree of, like, face blindness. Like, I have to have a a distinguishing feature of somebody to, like, be able to recognize them. Yeah, well, it's like all these girls, like, they all have, like, the same, like, brunette hair color, too. They don't do the usual tropey thing where it's like, one's a blonde, one's a redhead, one has black hair. Glasses girl is a redhead. They have, you know. It's like red-brown, though. Like, that's the thing. It's It's, just another, yeah. It's Auburn. Yeah, it's it's brown and like yeah, it's red brown and then brown and there's light brown and like and it's just it's all I, I can't I can't tell that I, that's that's not enough. There's, I need there's more. One, there's your your one movie is two lights. hours long and you've introduced like. Ten characters. I need a little more. There's, I need an eye patch. There's one Asian <laughs> Give me a girl, girl with an eye patch. There's one Asian girl and there's one uh, black girl with like a mohawk, and yeah. they kill both of them off pretty early on. Mm. So then you're left with all of the identical the generic white girls. You're right. The girl with the mohawk was, like, was was fairly memorable. Well, I mean, at least recognizable. Memorable is probably a bit too far, but yeah, like, memorable. Yeah. No, recognizable. Yes. <laughs> Just because she didn't look like all of the other ones. 
ones. Like, yeah. That's, yeah, it's that's the like, thing is like all uh, of these characters have the exact same personality. They even like our, medium even length, like, they all have like shoulder length hair. Like even I just, our protagonist, her defining feature is that she has a British accent. Like, well, that's the thing. One of the big flaws of setting your film in a boarding school is all of the characters will be in the same uniform inevitably. Yeah, which lets you really not have a ton yeah. of leeway. Again, give one of them a fucking eye patch. You know what I mean? Like go fucking ham yeah. with it. Like uh, especially if you're accidents trying to, happen, man. Especially one of the girls could have an eye patch. Like, yeah, especially if you're trying to make like an '80s kind of giallo, like fun slasher film. Like, yeah, have some have some memorable characters. And this movie just it just doesn't. I also like the the girls' academy too. I couldn't stop making comparisons to the Black Coat's daughter. Oh, I know. Because it's oh, like such a better movie. Because it's like girls' school in the winter. Yeah. You know, so it's like these old stately buildings and dormitories <laughs> and outside it's like cold and snowy and bleak. I think about like, that film a lot. I do, too, because it's awesome. It's, it's an amazing case, movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah. And uh, it was not a comparison that I wanted to, like, It's unfair. Drawing. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's not you, fair. You can't do that to this movie. I mean, in... in that ain't right. <laughs> setting <laughs> setting true, is where I would leave the comparison behind. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah that's other, literally other it. Other than that, they have nothing in common. Wintry girls' school, and then that's it. <laughs> yeah. And, and some people die. Mm. Some people get murdered. Some people um, do, do a death. What do you guys think of the third act after the reveal? Because that section is probably my favorite part of the movie. So it, it does do some things. I, uh, like, it does give the audience a little bit of what they want. I will give it that. You do get some fighty bits. Yes. But... Our protagonist does fight the killers. And I was kind of chanting leading up to that, like, fight the killer, fight the yeah. killer. And she does. So, like, again, I'll give it that. What hurts it, though, is that's the scene that has the really bad music in it. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the scene with the really bad music, which hurts a little bit. And in a vacuum, I think it's kind of fun, especially the way that like the protagonist dispatches the killers. There's a lot of inventive things. In There's it, some inventive stuff. Fun. The problem is, I was so so disappointed by the reveal of who the killers are. Yeah, that I had a hard time enjoying it because I'm like I was just stuck in like really mode, you know? Yeah, like, like, it's like oh, really. That's it, it? it. That's it. He just likes to do a kill. I mean, it's I, the guy you expected, and he likes to do a kill. Well, I really thought you were right about it being the protagonist, and what a fun twist that would have been. Yeah, even it would have been you, another Suspiria. Even homage. if you had called it, even if you had called it, like how fun would that have been? That like she's the one who's been killing them all along and trying to help them solve the mystery. Yeah. Haha, you thought I was the protagonist. Turns out I'm well, the murderer. There, there are a couple of red herrings that set that mm. up too, which is frustrating because. It means that Simon Barrett thought of that as a possibility and then decided to go with the ending that he did. The board one. Because yeah. I was just going to mention one of the minor details of the, the actual reveal that I think actually works pretty well. And I kind of liked is the headmistress is the, the main killer's mom, right? Yeah. And, you know, every time someone dies on campus in like a brutal fashion, she you know, makes it out to be like an, an accident, accident mm-hmm. obviously to not she knows tarnish the, the reputation of the boarding school, you think, 
it, you know, you assume it's just because, you know, you don't want bad publicity for the boarding right. school. But then after the reveal, you're like, oh, okay, maybe it is also he, to cover well, actually, up. He, he, does, he does monologue about he it. He has a throwaway line yeah. in his killer's monologue about how, like, he killed the girl years ago who they were trying to summon as the ghost at the beginning or whatever. Um, and uh, well, I guess that's neat. But... And, and, he, and he mentions, he's like, I think my mom knows knows i think my mom knew that i did it um and that's really the only kind of throwaway we get so i like that they don't elaborate on it too much i do think that it works for the headmistress's motivation and it makes more sense like why every time somebody dies she's like there it was an accident mm-hmm. um so i thought that was okay yeah he just he likes to do a kill well, yeah, that's that's the thing is like, like, like man, at least let, let him be like trying to summon Baphomet his, or something. His, you know? moti- like, his motivation is just that he's a psycho. Yeah, like, that's that's literally, and you know, that's fine. A, a killer doesn't have to have more motivation than they're just than just they're a psycho. Well, and like the whole, he's a psycho and he's dumb. The whole crux like, of like, I, I don't mean like 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 the writing is dumb. I mean the character is like also written to be dumb. Yeah, so it's like okay. Well, the the whole crux of early Argento murder mysteries is just. You know, black coat, random person. Yeah. You know, being a killer because they're a killer. Like yeah. that is very Giallo esque in sure. a sense. In a who done it aspect, it's disappointing. But you know, yeah, it and didn't I mean, bother me as much as I. But don't I, think I think it bothered you. Guys. I think it still would have been better if sure. the protagonist had been the killer because it could have been the same thing. Like we don't know anything her about about her past. She could still be a killer just for the sake of it. You know, like she killed to get into the school, and so she's just killing these other girls because they're bitches. Yeah. They're mean to her, and so she kills them. Like that would be fine. It would just be nice to like have those little clues pay off in that way instead of it just being like nah and again like ha- just uh, let him let him chew the scenery a little bit even have know. the same motivation for the main character you know taking someone else's identity to get into the school to yeah. investigate her dead friends uh you know misgivings <sighs> and you know killing people along the way because she thinks they killed her yeah, friends yeah. yeah and then ultimately it's you know, the ghost or yeah. whatever it is, you know, that would be a much more interesting twist mm. than what we got. Well, yeah, we should definitely touch on what you just mentioned, which is like sort of the final reveal at the very end is that the reason uh, the protagonist came to this school and she stole somebody's identity who had applied for the school and showed up because the girl who f- got pushed out the window at the beginning was like, her best childhood friend or something. So she came to the school to find out, you know, what happened to her friend. That felt like really tacked on right at the very end. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh shit, we got to have a reason for who our protagonist is. Uh, oh, uh, uh, she was friends with the first girl. Yeah. Like that's kind of what it felt like. Well, like, was the first girl British? No. No. And they were childhood friends? By now. Yeah. I mean, she just because she has an accent. She has an accent. accent, But like, Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, well, and she's like to the other girl, by now, I'm taking a different identity, even though she just revealed that she's childhood friends, and therefore they know exactly who yeah, she is. Yeah, they should be able to figure out who she is, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's like the, the love interest girl, like the one girl who's nice to her, uh, I did call that they would make out at the end, uh, but it's just like... 
you know, where are you going? She's like, I don't know. I'm going to take on somebody else's identity for a while. It's like, and what? Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Who is this bitch? You know? Yeah, it's like, 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 I guess they're trying to do like a Clint Eastwood, you know, like fistful of dollars. Like she's just the, the, the unknown pilgrim. It's almost the guest ask, right? Yeah. Like, but the guest, we know traveler. who he is. Yeah. Like we, we learned like everything we need about the guest. You know, by the end, like he was a soldier whose identity was erased. That's the point. We don't know who he is because we know who he is. Like he's a soldier whose identity was erased and he's like a black ops guy who was like tested on and shit. We know exactly who he is or, or we can easily fill in the rest of the details. There's plenty of textural group here. Who is this person? Well, that's the thing. Like if the <laughs> movie would have made her like much more badass and crazy in the third yeah. act, like it would make more sense I to think do a twist like that but. on paper the idea is there but uh this is something else i mentioned during the film uh is that you really needed the scene can start in the basement when they get captured by the killer you know they're in the dungeon the lair you know like metaphorically um they're in the basement it's just like the archives the library yeah it's just the art library like archives uh, using the word archive is generous because I, I mean that's literally what it is but like like visually like it's a basement and uh it's a basement with some bookshelves yeah and that's uh boring um, uh, and I was really hoping that by the end of it, like, they'd be fighting on a rooftop or something, you know, like, like, or we'd get, like, the courtyard area, at least. Like, courtyards are dramatic. Like, just a, a dramatic scene change, uh, where the fight could really ramp up. And, uh, I don't know. Uh, instead, there's just kind of more fighting in the bookshelves. But, I will say, there was a great shot where the lady killer is, or sorry, they're both lady killers, but the lady who's a killer is... It's okay, you can use her name. Glasses. Glasses. <laughs> Glasses is walking towards her, and uh, the lead, the lead like, leaps up on a bookshelf, and she's like, what are you going to run? What are you going to do? And then, like, out, from out of frame, the fucking <laughs> light, like, the entire, like, uh, like, um... She just fucking... reaches up and pulls on the light fixture, and just swings down and bashes Bats the girl her in the head. In the face. It's perfect. That was... That was a very good moment it's really well shot i wish there had been more the framing is perfect because like you can't see the light fixture until it swings down into frame it does it does look like she's trying to climb up onto the bookshelf to get away and it's like what are you gonna like what you're gonna climb up there and then she's gonna push it over so like you're just like the killer you're like what the fuck are you doing and then just the light (laughs) swings down from out of frame it's resourceful it's funny it's almost slapstick but like believable it's good it's a really good shot um, I do. I like when and I'll give him that. I like when she kills. And then they should have left the basement after that moment. I like when she kills the guy killer too, because like she stabbed him in the leg and beaten him up or whatever, and you know he's like laying on a collapsed bookshelf and is sort of like mocking her, being like, "Okay, you won, so I'm going to go to prison. I'll be out in a couple. Like I'll go to a mental institution. I'll be out in a couple of years. Like." You know, it's not a big deal. And so she just, like, pushes over a filing cabinet that just, like, decapitates it. it awesome. And it looks great. I'll give him that. Like, I don't I don't buy it for a second, but it's, it's, fuck no, it's, it's great. But it's yeah, fun. But it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. like, and it's, it's what the movie needed at that yeah, point. Yeah. So, no, I'll, you know, again, like, it, they did kind of give us what we wanted at the end. They're like, hey, do the fight. And the fight, you know, Too like, little too late. In and had two cool though. shots, but agreed. I just wish they'd ramped it up a little bit more, but I, I guess, like, they, they were already, like, probably capping their budget. Or, in this case, decapitating their budget. <laughs> yeah. Man, another thing I want to mention, too, is somebody should fucking scold the goddamn cinematographer of this movie for overusing that extreme wide-angle lens. Oh, the man. pilgrim effect. 
Yes. Yeah, it was like that Pilgrim it's movie. It's not quite we that bad. It's not quite no, that Pilgrim, bad. No, Pilgrim was like my straight up using yeah. Pilgrim straight up used like a like a fisheye lens that you'd use to shoot like a skate video in like 2001. Yeah, they use like a GoPro. But uh but in this in, movie indoors. In this movie <laughs> almost every shot is shot with like the same extremely wide angle lens and it's not quite fisheye, but it is wide enough that objects at the left and right edge of the frame do sort of, like, bend a little bit. Yeah, and it's like, well, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be unsettling and to be off-kilter. It's supposed to turn normal-looking objects into the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. It's like, I much, get it, but, Too like, much. Don't, yeah. don't overuse it. I'm fine with like, using I get what you're trying to do, but... I'm fine with that stylistically, but it can't be every shot. It's like when they're sitting... In the headmistress's office, like being scolded for being for playing pranks or whatever, they're just sitting there. They're just sitting there in the office talking, and like every time it reverses back to all of the girls on one side, like the girl who's sitting on the far left is like weirdly skinny and kind of bent because she's at the edge (laughs) of the frame it's like if you're gonna do that at least pull it back far enough to get your main characters off the edge of the frame yeah because it's the kind of wide angle that if there's not an object on the edge of the frame you can't tell that they're that the distortion is Mm -hmm. there but they use it so heavily that there's just always something on the side well speaking of getting kind of bent I'm going to crack open this other seltzer, and uh, I think I've got about everything I needed to say about this movie. Are we ready to rate? I think so. Do you have sure. anything else, yeah, Ben? No, that's pretty much all I had. Yeah. Cool, uh, then my segue works. <laughs> damn, speed running this one. We did that in record time. Uh, Fuck yeah. Man, Proud. Proud maybe, y'all boys. maybe it's just because I expect more out of Simon Barrett. Um, maybe I'm wrong for doing so at this point. Like, it has been a while since the guest, and you're next. Uh, I hope he hasn't gotten lazy, but I don't know, man. This just did not have the kind of creativity that I was looking for from this kind of movie. It referenced several movies that are just just better than it, um, and it, I don't think they should draw those kind of comparisons. Uh, two and a half out of five for me. I'm gonna give it a little bit more. I really, I really did. The moments I liked, I really liked. Again, I'm gonna get like I could, I could give it a whole star for that fucking uh, that light fixture shot. Um, that's a delight. So I'm gonna say three. I'm gonna give it. Uh, I'm gonna give it a nice clean three out of five, just above average, because you know it's got some nice things going for it. But it also has some not nice things. And again, I just I thought it was kind of boring. And if I hadn't, if I'd watched that alone, I would have been. I, I would have fallen asleep. I think. But like watching with you guys like really helped a lot. Yeah, movie was pretty mid. The third act was great. An inventive in the archive, but that's about it. Um, just watch that sequence. Uh, three awesome. out of five. All right. Well, that's an average of two point eight out of five for Seance, and I, I I'll just uh, could be worse. Could be a lot better. Uh, but I will I will just tack on to what you were saying, Cleve. I I agree. I think. I would have had an even worse time with this if I had watched it alone. Half the fun was us sitting here, like, trying to figure out the twist. And uh, I like the movie that we wrote better than this one, you know? <laughs> I agree, yeah. Uh, I, I, think we wrote, I think we wrote a more fun, clever movie, uh, but maybe... But hey, what, what movies have we written, you know? Like, well, you know, in fair... Well, yeah, we did that one in you high and school. I, but... You and I, yeah. <laughs> we, we've written a movie. Yeah. A feature length. Yeah. It's, it's not good. It's not good. And, like, so, you know... Eh. 
I, I'm, I'm trying to be more like that, you know, in my critiques and be like, ah, you know, what yeah, I whatever. Know? I mean, who who are who are we? Like, yeah, that's... we're some shitty. We're just three white dudes who all look the same. We all look the same, and yeah. we all have the same opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right, <laughs> moving on. The second film we're going to be talking about this evening that I chose for us is a uh, Netflix original film that came out uh, in uh, early November. It is No One Gets Out Alive, uh, directed by Santiago Mangini, uh, and um, stars Christina Rodlow and uh, some other people. The IMDb is not helpful with the cast of this. Santiago Mangini sounds like a series of unfortunate events character. Yes, yeah. correct. Um, it's a good name, though. I This was my second time seeing this movie. Uh, it is... A adaptation of an Adam Neville book uh, that I really love. I love all of his shit. We have talked about The Ritual on this. Which was also a Netflix which was, original. Which was also a Netflix original. I do ask that the comparisons be kept kind of minimal because I still need to read and watch it. Sure, I'll do my best. Thank you. The uh, Ritual, directed by the guy who did Night House. By the Night House, David oh. Bruckner. Oh. I I have some I will say I I feel like I was a little bit hard on the ritual when we talked about it on the podcast uh I think because I was so freshly off the book which is fantastic and I didn't like a lot of the changes they made I've watched it like two or three times since then because I think about it a lot um, and while I do still have some problems with it, I think I was harsh on it. Uh, I think I was particularly harsh on the monster design, uh, which I now think is cool in the ritual. <laughs> you came uh, around. That's what I came around on that. Um, but yeah, so I, I wanted to pick this one because even though I didn't love it the first time I saw it, um, I wanted to get y'all's perspective as not having come from the source material, and I want to see how many of my problems with it are based on changes from the source material, and how many of them are uh, are more legit criticisms. I think Ben is going to be a little bit closer to to your take on it, but I fucking loved it. I thought it slapped. I thought I thought it slapped dick. I thought it ruled. I liked I, it I a little better the an, second. That's time. an expression meaning it's good. <laughs> Um, it slapped dick. <laughs> it's your slap dick. Uh, I yeah. Well, it, it's it clapped cheeks is what it did. That that movie claps the ultimate set of cheeks, and I uh, I respect the fuck out of that. I think I think it does. I think it does a lot of things well. I think overall it starts and ends quite strong. I think it gets kind of bogged down in the middle and sort of has to gloss over a lot of stuff that is much better developed in the book. Granted... Two hours, you know, what are going to do? Well, that's the thing. Granted, the book is 600 pages, the movie is 90 minutes. Yeah. What are you going to do? I gotcha. mean, uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, I'll limit my comparisons to the ritual, but it's kind of asking to be compared in some sense. In yeah, that they're both, there's a, there's a, they have a lot in common, they even have though a, they're made by They have a people. lot in common, especially... <laughs> You know, certain aspects Would you like, we'll talk I, later. I, I can on. honestly, I can go on the balcony and like, no, 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 no. Well, <laughs> I don't mind. We'll, we'll circle back. But the, the main point I want to say is like, it really emphasizes like what the difference a confident director who knows what they're doing makes. Because I think David Bruckner is very confident in mm. his skills and abilities. And the end result is a much more atmospheric, gripping movie really? than what we got here. 
what I, I found a lot of the atmosphere to fall kind of flat and a lot of things just to kind of end up being kind of generic horror jump scares. Like I said, a lot ends up kind of glossed over. We should talk about like the basic premise of this film. Uh, I think um, it's about a uh, a young illegal immigrant woman who goes to uh, Cleveland, Ohio, um, and it's sort of about her like trying to make enough money to be able to uh, buy an illegal ID so she can uh, get like a legit job and go to grad school or whatever. Um, and how, uh, she just keeps getting fucking pissed on by, uh, how broken the system is and, uh, and how shitty everything is. And she happens to be staying in an immensely haunted house. Immensely. I have some peers that live in Ohio and this seemed like a pretty accurate depiction of it from what I've It sure is the Midwest. Experienced and heard, yeah. I've never lived in Ohio, but... Uh, did live in the Midwest for a while. Ben is our resident, born and raised Midwesterner. Yeah, Ohio is, uh, you know, famously a shithole. This uh, depiction of Cleveland reminded me kind of of Don't Breathe's depiction of Detroit. Yeah, though I think bit. Don't Breathe does a much better job kind of depicting I would kind agree. of the giving this aesthetic. Character, yeah. I would agree yeah. uh, more strongly. Where like I think the the bleakness of Cleveland in this film comes out in the kind of boarding house halfway house yeah it's a boarding house okay being named cleveland this shit gets really confusing like <laughs> I, i'm not gonna lie like you'd think i get used to it after a while but like every time you're just like the bleakness of cleveland i'm just like oh damn like it's <laughs> a small part of me and then i'm just like no nah, man cleveland sucks like <laughs> i mean uh sorry to our listeners from cleveland i guess uh i don't know i've never been to cleveland so yeah. I, I won't bash on it too much yeah. um i feel like i i've earned it uh, yeah sure why not <laughs> but like because I get compared to it a lot, because it's my name. In the film, I was a little confused. I'm sure they explain this fully in the book, mm. but trying to track it in sure. the movie. Yeah. Uh, why exactly was she in Ohio? Her, she her her mom was in Texas, right? And no, no, no. So no, her she... mom is from Texas originally, but she moved to Mexico. If I'm getting this right. No, her mom had lived in Texas for a while, but she was she herself was born and raised in, in Mexico. Mexico. Yes. She came to to Ohio specifically because her uncle. Her her mom's cousin. Cous- right, yeah, mom's cousin. her her who she calls her uncle. Her mom's cousin lives there and had told her that he would be able to give her a reference for a job. So that's why she comes to the states, but he says, you know, you you have to have like a a valid ID. And so she tells him like, "Oh yeah, I lived in Mexico, but I was born in Texas, so I'm a US citizen." So that's why she ends up in Ohio specifically. That's very different from the book. The book is I'm supposed to be clear about that. Too, Adam right? Adam Neville is an English author. The book is set in in England uh and it's not it has, you know, yeah. nothing to do with illegal immigration right? or anything like that. All of that yeah. is the film. Interesting. Yeah, all I, that's here the I film was I, the, yeah. the film I, during the film I was just thinking like, wow, I thought I, I guess Adam Neville did a really good job like capturing this like part of the world that he doesn't live in. No, that that was one of the big changes. I, you know, I kind of I, I under I understand it. It's, you know, a, a film produced and, you know, partially funded by Netflix. 
you know, big American audience, they're going to make more connections to it, especially in the political climate of today, you know, illegal immigration and, you know, uh, this was being made still in the Trump era and whatnot. So, you know, it all, it all makes sense. Uh, I get it. The book is still like very heavy on like the, like the working, like the struggles of being working class and being like super broke. Like that's still what the book is all about is that like, that the reason she can't get out of the situation that she's in, like, even when it becomes dangerous, is because she has no money and no job, and there's literally no one she can go to for help. So, like, that's all very in line. I don't mind the the change to to of setting in in this movie. Yeah, um, uh, the uh, I think I think it it does a great job of reinforcing like the, the themes of like abandoning your family, like down to your homeland and. All the rest of it uh, was was really neat, uh, and and why you should or shouldn't feel guilt over that. Um, I yeah, I, I like I like the themes that are like nicely established. It all felt very clean to me, and uh, on top of that, there is a delicious veneer of ghosts. The the visuals in this movie like fucking slap and a half uh, to use uh, the same term. It slaps dick. I, uh, I I I really I really love the look of this movie. It's dreary, drabs and horrifying uh the 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 ghosts are so fucking spooky looking man i love the reflective eyes the ghost the ghost because of the reflective eyes remind me of the ghosts from oculus because they have the they have mirrored lenses because they're mirror ghosts so i I know i know that that movie came out almost a decade ago i've had that long to watch it and we have still never seen oculus who worked on it and it was shot in fairhope cleveland it was shot in our hometown and some of our friends worked on it uh i was shot dude it was shot three houses down from justin's house i know i know i still haven't seen it it okay (laughs) yeah i mean i think the atmosphere of this movie it works for production design somewhat but i kept thinking about like the americana atmosphere of like antlers for example mm, sure how much more tactile that felt than this film where i i felt like this film didn't really feel like it went above and beyond setting that kind of bleakness mm. up I, I think this movie had a lot more engaging events occurring throughout it than Antlers did. I, I think I think that the there a lot the more haunting, jump scares. At least there were things happening. Like uh, I know this not like the highest praise, but like the the jump scares were um, like creepy ghosts in the background, and I just I, I like the look of them so much. And the the color grading was really good with all the oranges and blues. I enjoyed looking at the things when they popped up. So, like, it was more manageable for me to, like, get by, past the jump. This is, like, the second time in the podcast I've actually defended a jump scare, which is very <laughs> weird. The, the, how, how the turntables. But um, I don't mind the jump scares in this movie. I, I do think that in terms of atmosphere, I don't think it quite has the time it needs to develop a really strong atmosphere. I think production design is really great. Again, I think the house setting is very well done, and I like the design of the ghosts. I think just one of my big problems is that for as short as this movie is, it doesn't have enough time to fully develop everything that it needs to. It feels underbaked. And again, that comes from trying to adapt a 600-page book into a 90-minute movie. Sure. Also worth noting, similarly to the the, the adaptation of The Ritual uh, from book to movie, this movie is only the first half of the book. 
Really? Yes. In the awesome. same in the same way that the in the same way that the the uh, the ritual is, where they just cut out like a huge chunk of the second half of the book because, like, I you know I get it. There's there's not there's just not time. Um, so you know I I understand why they have to Does do it, that. Okay. So the only Adam Neville book I've read hasn't been adapted yet. Yeah. Um, which is Apartment Sixteen, which is my favorite. Yeah. It it's so good. And it's great. I, I, um, I just, I wonder if, is it like Apartment 16? Because Apartment 16 really ramps up in the latter half. Like, that's when, like, you get all the crazy void painting stuff. And, I mean, like, that's what, the... that's what Adam Neville is really good at, is, like, he is so incredible at doing this, this, uh, like long drawn out job of getting the character to their absolute lowest point and then having like a really insane climax and no one gets out alive is his longest book and it spends so much time where like the character at the beginning starts out in a bad place and throughout the entire like first half of the book it's like it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's like, every time something worse happens to her, you're like, how can it get any worse? And then it does. So it like just pulls you down into like this pit of just blackness and despair. (laughs) And Adam Neville does that in like, all of his books. He's yeah, so, yeah, part he's so gets fucking bleak. good. He's mm. so fucking good at that, but then pays it off with like something big and exciting. I wish I had that feeling during this movie. Yes, right? I agree like, with you. I agree with you. I think I think the payoff, I, I think like the last 10 or 15 minutes, 20 minutes of the movie is pretty good. It's extremely. Sure, yeah. yeah. But, it, but it would be, it would be better yeah. if you really like had the time to like, really get down there yeah like, i mean it, like, it, it, I, feels I feel like she's pretty it feels underbaked because like the atmosphere feels a little underbaked but also the characters i had a hard time caring about any of these characters because i didn't feel like they were developed fully the protagonist though i was pretty compelled by her i, I, I think she's pretty good yeah but i i, I mean it just feels like the events that we're seeing put her in a place where she is desperate, where her character is desperate, but the film doesn't take enough time to make me feel how desperate she is. I don't feel desperate along with her. I know she is desperate. You know, bad things do happen. Like her friend at work, she gives her money to get her her fake papers. Her friend runs off and steals the money. She loses the job. She has to pay the the landlord a deposit up front so she's she has less money than she's expecting it's like these are all things that like put her in a desperate position but i just don't think that there the film has enough time to really draw that out in a satisfying way and i know that's asking a lot but tease you're a man who's a citizen how could you relate it's not for you <laughs> you're right sorry i, I hear that argument right. from time to time i don't dress with the wall well, but like, I, I mean I, that's and that's not what i'm saying either you no know, i know like, it's, it's i know it's not it's it's just uh, I, like i can i can definitely sympathize with this character or empathize no with no when, like, yeah, I, I get exactly what you mean like you're you're looking for those moments like where you feel like you know you've been kicked in the ribs yeah you know and like and like there are moments where like she's told things are bad and like we're told because of the amount of money that she has 
or, uh, you know, like that she's not getting very much sleep. But we're not feeling those moments where she's having to, like, sleep in the rain or whatever else like that. You know what I mean? Like, and there are plenty of films out there that do capture that. Like, yeah, you know, as well. And there are examples. I I did. I think for whatever reason, the showing worked for me. Like, I was pretty sucked into it and I was pretty concerned for her. I think she's a good actress. Mm -hmm. And also, like, it did give me those similar vibes of, like, the back alley sequences in Apartment 16 where characters are, like, you know, like afraid of getting mugged or getting mugged. And um, like some of those sequences, like in apartment 16, where they're getting mugged are like really intense. I-, I was getting those same vibes, like when she's walking home scared and the rest. And I was like, yeah, this is this is definitely an Adam Neville story, isn't it? And that did a lot for me, uh, honestly, like uh, just the the vibe. I liked the vibes. I like the vibes, too. I just want I want more. I, I want I want it to feel I want it to be more like deeply impactful. Well, for example, uh, when she moves in. You know, it's this big building, and she, yeah, there's only one other resident, right? There's mm-hmm. this other girl that lives there. Only one tenant. Yep, and she, at a certain point, disappears, and mm-hmm. she's really concerned about this girl, but we don't really know this girl that disappeared well enough yeah. to really care. Freya or yeah. whatever. Yeah, but it's spelled Freja. <laughs> But yes. <laughs> we we have no reason to really care that she's gone, right. you know. It just feels like they could have done more to kind of make that gripping and compelling. You know, I I think another thing that I, I that could have that could have helped too is the the landlord is uh is played by Mark Menchaca, who is uh who's fantastic in The Outsider, which we've been rewatching. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, he is in that, um, isn't he? Damn, I was wondering what he was familiar from. He just—he yeah. just—he looks like the—he looks like the kind he's, of. He's a beard in this one. Yeah, um, in this he looks like the kind of guy who'd be in like the ad for like a, a millennial like cider or something. <laughs> you know, like he—he he looks like uh, you know, like your hipster grungy kind of. Yeah, yeah, he's um, got that kind of vibe. Anyway, it's good uh, vibe. I, I think he's—I think he's good in this movie. Um, I, I like I him as—I like him him as an actor, but. What the movie does that the books don't or that the book doesn't is that it kind of like plays with whether or not he's a bad guy or not. Like you said, like when you when when she moves in, like he seems kind of skeezy. And then, you know, it seems like he might actually not be that bad of a guy. Yeah, and they had me. And then it's like, oh, he is a bad guy. But even so, it's like, is he really bad or does he just care for his brother that much and he's just willing to do whatever? Like, it's kind of on the fence. Whereas in the book, I knew I, I, knew I was going to do this a lot. Uh, <laughs> but uh, whereas in the book, the, the landlord is like a just absolute scumbag. He's like a, a nasty little slimy, uh, chavy British guy, Cockney. He's illiterate. Like he <laughs> he even like holds her hostage at one point to like the bills at the house are overdue. So he has to have her read the bills and write a letter. And she and he like holds her hostage with like a vi- a vial of acid to like get her to pay the bills for him. But he's just like scumbag in uh you know sweatpants and and uh (laughs) shiny shoes and shit just like absolute vile little piece of shit and it just really like the fact that the protagonist is like beholden to him because she has no other choice is just like such an incredible way of like 
enhancing that sense of like isolation and desperation and the fact that this movie is kind of like is he bad is he not is he gonna help her out nope he's not but is he nah <laughs> you know like that- i liked uh, every every time it was like is he gonna i was with him I, I i was feeling it right off the bat i thought oh he's gonna be a secret scumbag oh he's not good and uh and then when he, he turns around I'm like oh cool they're doing the thing like I, i'm here for it though like i i really like the way he reaches out and he's like he's like Look, like I really do want to help you, but it's across town. Like it, it felt believable. Like he, that as an actor, like he sold me on that. He's a good like, actor. He's a good actor. Um, yeah. And that's that's such an important thing to get right in, in acting. You know, is like to to trick your audience. And he yeah. he tricked me. Like I I really felt like, you know, like he is just legitimately desperate and he needs to get back there. And something bad's gonna happen when they get back there, but it's not gonna be his fault. Oh wait, no, it's his fault. He's bad. Like it was good. I, I, I um. But also, he's not uh, really the bad one. It's really his brother, but he is bad. Uh, he's also, he's I bad, mean, but like he, I mean, he, he just is bad. It's just yes. that he, uh, his, he feels like his intentions he, are good. He justifies, he justifies it to himself. He's yeah. in denial. It felt like it kind of undercut the desperation, like you were saying, Tease. Like, having, in the book, having him such a sleazy character makes it feel like so much more of a desperate situation. Well, another aspect of the book, too, is that the the landlords of this house the the one guy in his uh in the book it's his cousin and then turns out to not be his cousin but just a guy he met in prison but anyway uh they're trying to set up a brothel in the house and they bring in like a couple of like prostitutes from like eastern europe and then they're basically like oh you're to the protagonist like oh your rent's gone up oh you can't afford to pay it well we're just going to have to get the money from you another way and so they like try to force her to be like a prostitute in the brothel and they like lock her in her room and th- that's just something that you know maybe that's too bleak for this movie or they just don't have time for it or both but it's just like there that kind of stuff I think is is really really helps like get the character to like a true rock bottom and that's just sort of what I kind of felt like was missing because like by the time she gets like really desperate then all the like the supernatural stuff starts happening and it starts getting like kind of exciting Mm -hmm. so I don't have time to feel like despair because like once things gets really bad then it's like ooh, what's in the box we should talk about the box yeah yes let's talk about the box yeah what's in the box what's in the box what's in the box <laughs> uh i'll tell you what's in the box something cool something cool we're clapping cheeks in the box our protagonist keeps having these dreams where she sees this like big stone box the movie starts with like uh it's so good. The with, mo- yeah, the, that sequence is great because it's in like uh, like a one by one aspect ratio. Like it's in a square, like in the center of the frame, and like often the box, like the opening of the box, is like centered with like the same aspect ratio, which is really cool. So like even by watching like the old like archival film at the beginning, you feel like you're staring into the box. It's clever, man. That opening sequence is top. It's cool. I really, I really like it. Yeah, the, it's perfect. It's, I wouldn't change a thing. It's like archival footage of like an archaeological dig, like deep in the jungles of Mexico, yeah. where they find like this temple. Ooh, that's and my they shit. find all of these like desiccated, yeah. mummified corpses that are like bound together and missing heads and stuff. And there's all these skulls and shit, and they like dig way down. There's this great shot of them like lowering a light on a rope, like down this deep shaft, and they get down. 
to the bottom and there's there's this big stone box and then we see them hauling it up the out on a on a rope um and, and then, then it and then it gets into the movie well, well what's really cool is after that like our first full screen shot is that beautiful image of the wall of butterflies yeah like all pinned all pinned butterflies and mm. again like that's such a cool like metaphor also sort of for our protagonist she's in her own way like a pinned butterfly and then pop one of the butterflies pops off the pin and it mm. flutters off and i thought that was so fucking cool like uh and we get that whole well actually we get the whole scene of the person being haunted and then it cuts back to that shot and then the butterfly pops off and we yeah. get our, in, our intro uh, our, our our title oh it's beautifully paced that cool ghost right off the bat you get a cool ghost with their neat reflective eyes it looks so spooky um and again just that that shot of the wall with the pin butterflies is like such a feat it, it looks so good and yeah. and just the the one popping off of it that's such a cool idea because like there's so many films that play up the pin butterfly thing like it's kind of a trope with serial killers to have like pinned insects and whatnot or like mad scientists or whatever but i've never seen like that idea of like showing like undead things or ghosts and just having like one of the butterflies pop off of the pin like they're coming yeah. back to life it's a horrifying concept because it means like all those insects are like being reanimated in some capacity right like on the the pins like still like suffering like yeah. in, in this permanence and ugh, like it's spooky it's cool but also it's gorgeous to look at like hauntingly beautiful you know like and that's that's a that's a cool aesthetic yeah so i'm i'm i, I was Right off the bat, like fucking glued to my ass for the uh, or <laughs> glued to your ass. <laughs> Let's try that again. You can leave it in. Oh, I'm leaving that <laughs> in. Yeah, you should. Uh, but was, my ass was glued to the chair, like from that moment on. Uh, I hope I'm glued to my ass. I uh, I, I, I hope I, you are too. I like it where it is. And speaking of asses, as our main character is haunted, we get that one frame of something really horrifying looking, but you can't tell what it is. I'm like, and I was thinking, like, is that a mouth? I couldn't tell. And and then we find out what's in the box. What's in the box? Yeah, basically throughout the film, you know, she keeps having these these sort of nightmares that involve the the, the big stone box. And with, there's something in the box. We see like hands sort of coming out of it a couple of times. Like, what's in the fucking box? And you know, it, it seems like there's a uh, a connection between the box and the ghosts that are in the house for some reason were introduced to the landlord's uh, crazy brother who stands outside the door to the basement and like bangs his head against it and is like chanting, uh, you know, something. So there's, we know there's something in the basement or the box is in the basement and there's something in the box. Uh, and then that, that is the when the movie definitely wins me over again at the end after like mm -hmm. I kind of have some problems in the middle section when uh, we we get to the end and find out and get the reveal of what's in the box. That's very cool. That's another part of the reason why I picked this movie uh, is because the, uh, the 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 box monster is fucking dope, and I I knew Cleveland would would really like the box. Monster. Really, do well right. designed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, because like it it emerges like it's always like the two big hands first, and you always see the two big hands. Like, and there are several moments. Yeah, the box is like they open the box, and it's like an endless tunnel that's Ugh, just like going off so into cool. the darkness. Some house of leaves shit. Yeah rules and it's a tardis yeah yeah 
it's, it's bigger a, it's on the scary inside uh, yeah um and and uh yeah it's like its body is like a weird slug sort of thing and it walks almost on it's like hands. a it's like a butterfly pupa kind of yeah with that walks around on one pair of big muscly arms and then it has another pair of smaller less muscly arms uh yeah, that hang and it's cool because it, it's all like it's like wearing like this like weird fleshy sluggy sleeve and it's like even going over its face yeah it's like its upper body looks sort of like a woman that, that's like veiled but like veiled with a membrane Flesh. and she's got like this mm-hmm. cool like crest um yeah it looks like an aztec like goddess yeah, yeah. you know almost but really fucked up and horrifying and then uh under the the second set of arms and the the veil is a big toothy mouth yeah butt uh, mouth a big toothy butt mouth um this the monster is extremely different in the book uh i was doing some research uh into the movie because i was like you know mm-hmm. what was what's this uh it's uh apparently supposed to be technic E, uh, e, I can never pronounce it right. Eats eats papalotl, uh, mm-hmm. is uh, a not Aztec Mayan. I want to. I think Mayan. Maybe Aztec. Fuck. There is a difference. One, there is a difference. Good to know, and it's one of those. And I can never. Yeah, it's one of those. But the I'm an undereducated fuck. And I know it, but the word know. the word means obsidian butterfly. Mm. There's well, that's a, fucking there's cool. Some, and there's some depictions like in in old uh, like. Uh, temple carvings and stuff of just like a woman with like butterfly wings but they have like the little obsidian blades on the edges of the butterfly wings fucking cool like the like the club like the the aztec war club that yeah. she uses that has like the obsidian chips on the blade um so this is this is supposed to be uh this monster is supposed to be that uh, in the book, it's very different. It's it's in England, so it's an old, uh, like, pre-Christian, like, druidic harvest god. Um, Is that right? And, um, well, damn, I, I really appreciated this, because, like, I, druidic stuff is, like, still really cool and i, I adore it, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense in the setting that they're yeah. moving it to, to america but, and that you know our protagonist is from mexico yeah, and how so, often do we get cool like actual like you know hispanic monsters yeah. like this you know yeah. like like it, it's uh it, it's like this and the fucking curse of la llorona you know what i mean like like we're we're, <laughs> we're, we're pretty starved on that on that front and it's a very guillermo guillermo del toro ass monster i thought this whole yeah. movie like was very guillermo del toro like I mean, yeah, that, that whole sequence is like right out of Pan's Labyrinth. Like, it really, yeah. it really feels like a Pan's Labyrinth sequence. And ooh, good. They do a lot of the monster practically too. Like, obviously, when it's coming out of the box and walking around on its big muscly arms, like that's CG. It's enhanced. It's yeah. enhanced, but like the close-ups when it's like leaning over her face and like breathing in and out, and like the membrane is like kind of fluttering. Like that's a person in a costume. Um, and it, it, it looks, it looks really good. Yeah, it looks awesome. Um, you might want to do earmuffs for this Cleveland. I, I wanted to talk about the comparison to the ritual yeah. monster because, uh, it's a uh, very similar to the point where I almost thought it was nearly the same because the one in the ritual is so cloaked in darkness that you barely yeah. get a good glimpse of it. 
Well, yeah, the ritual one's like the big, the big deer, but also its head is uh, has like little little arms dangling off the bottom. Yeah, in kind of a similar way. Yeah, and like it also like grabs characters on the on the face with its little yeah. its little goblin hands. And I I thought the part. Uh, after it bites, uh, after it kills the the landlord, and like its its middle hands like kind of like fold together like in prayer. It's like in the ritual when the monster like forces the protagonist like down onto his knees, like kneeling before it, and like stands up and like puts its hands together. Yeah, there were a, there lot, were a of lot of comparisons. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I I wonder if the creature is designed by the same artist. It could be. I mean, I know the the it's the films are made by different people. Um, but like same with the ritual, like the monster is super different from the book. Like they take like very they do very very big changes. Um, I think we can bring Cleve yeah. back in. Cleve. Okay, cool. Hello. Okay, you're good. Um <laughs> Only my humming wasn't yeah, too loud. The uh, <laughs> he was fine. The uh, the monster in this one is just designed excellently. Yeah, like it's something that feels wholly original. Yes, like, something I haven't seen in a movie before. Yeah, there and I I can compare it to very little other than the comparisons that we just made to the monster in the ritual. You know, uh, in the movie version of the ritual, at least. Uh, at least in terms of, you know, some similar concepts and creativity. But yeah, like that's that's what I think is cool. And that's why I think is is really interesting about this movie is that like it sells itself like a ghost story, but it's really not. You know, the ghosts are a side effect of this pagan god that they're keeping in the basement. You know, they sacrifice people to her and the the people whose heads she bites off stay locked, trapped there as ghosts. And then there's the whole there's a whole weird aspect of like if you sacrifice people to the the god, then she gives you she heals you and gives you superpowers or something. That I could kind of do without yeah. a little bit. I mean that they needed that sort of for motivation, I guess guess but i mean i don't know if you really need motivation when like gods with strange powers are involved yeah. like i think you can keep that kind of stuff ambiguous no the, the the god the motivation is the god yeah like the the, the god is you know like uh, fucking with their minds you know like it's inspiring them it's it's tempting them with everlasting life it's you know whatever else yeah yeah it has them, it has them under their thrall and that's what it is in the book mm-hmm. that's what yeah. it is in the book is like the the analog to the brother character is captivated by the the god in the basement because it has like wormed its way into his mind using its magic, you know, like it has, it has enthralled him. Like that's all you really need. But in this one, it's like, uh, I I think, I think it's what they kind of do with mode, like to try to motivate the, the landlord character to like, maybe not be completely evil. Cause he's like, well, the idea He's, is the, like, the brother is like, oh, he just needs to he just needs to sacrifice a few more girls and then he'll be healthy and we don't have to worry about it. Like, it feels like they're trying to make a like really shallow commentary on like the healthcare system because they're like, oh, yeah, that's why we moved back to the old family house because we couldn't afford my brother's medical bills. So we found this alternative medicine of sacrificing women to uh, a Mayan goddess in the basement, yeah. you know? It was just a few more, and then we can stop with this. 
He's in denial. You know, he's in denial, I guess. And he's being brainwormed. Whereas in the book, the the landlord, the main landlord character is kept in check by fear of the, the crazier cousin who is like under the god spell because he's bigger and stronger than he is and carries around little bottles of acid in his pocket. And he's like, I will fucking kill you, you know? So he's <laughs> like, he's kept in check by like desperation and by fear, which is also interesting because that's what like desperation is what drives a lot of people to crime in the first place you know it's i i like that dichotomy in the book is that like all of the characters are desperate but their desperation drives them with different motivations Mm -hmm. um and that's you know something that's kind of missing from this movie um yeah as i i like the messiness of it personally like it's the, okay. The brother is clearly evil. And again, too, like it, it, it falls back to her with her mother. And it, I really yes. like the comparison between the two. Like she finally has to leave the mother. And the goddess also, you can see. Well, that's see, why the goddess lets her go. Well, yeah, well, because like the goddess utilizes that need, like that, like, um, that, like filial, like need to help. Um, like that's, that's how it, how it snares people. Like that's, that's, it's, that's how it used, that's, that's the, the, how it's brain worms burrow, if you will. Like, because we also get that from the, the Eastern European person who says that, you know, like she saw like her son. The Romanian girls. Yeah. Yeah. The Romanians, right? Like, like she saw her son and it was like sweet to her for the same reason she kept seeing that damn box also yeah. so like uh, and this one we realize it's, it's a shared vision in the film well, yeah, but, so takes, we realize like it, it takes the form of like a loved one in their mind um and makes it feel like they're helping their loved one in some capacity well yeah it promises it promises them something better than the situation that they're in it takes the desperate people yeah. and offers them something happier you know but in our protagonist's case what it's offering her it keeps showing her her mother who is in the hospital sick you know, and asking her to like, please stay, please stay, please stay. And it's like, it keeps cutting back to like, it's about to bite her head off. And then it lets her go because in her dream vision, she says no. And she kills her mother. She puts the pillow over her face and smothers her to death. And then, so then like she becomes the new avatar of, the the god because then that's when she is in favor with it you know it allows her to escape and to take the the war club and go up and like fuck up the landlord and his brother um and you know then which is it feels so earned to me like i really loved that man it's brutal they fucking stomp on her leg and just like shatter her ankle and then she somehow manages to get to get the landlord down to the basement he's knocked out she could drag him it's it's downhill you know like it's just a matter of she's hopping on one foot man well she would be in this she's she's limping but uh anyway you know she she sacrifices him to to the goddess and then uh, as she walks back up into the house and is headed for the door, she sees his ghost appear, but then her ankle is miraculously healed. So, uh, and, you know, you can tell that, like, it's, she's kind of, like, infused with power, that it has kind of, like, an intoxicating effect, so... Well, yeah, we see the uh the brother get his hand healed in front of our face yes that's right so, after like, he sacrifices one of the other women yeah, yeah. there is a very direct healing effect yes to that. 
which is a little unnecessary, I think, but fine. Um, but yeah, so the movie ends and it's like, oh, well, you know, now she's escaped, but she's, she's had a taste. She's had a taste of the drug. She's had a taste of the power. Will she stay there and lure people in and sacrifice them to her new deity or will she not? I don't know. We'll see or not. The power is in her hands. Yeah. I like that. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, she's she's finally put in a position of power after being uh, yeah. at, at the mercy of so many others' power for kinda, the rest of the movie. It, it kind of reminds me of Midsummer in that respect. Instead of, like, finding family at the end, though, like, she finds agency. I, I think that's cool. Like, it's like, yeah, d- does she stay? Does she go? We don't know. Uh, it, it works. In the book, about halfway through, she manages to escape and kills the landlord and throws the the acid into the to the the cousin's face. And then the whole like second half of the book, or maybe the last third, is three years later after she has made a shitload of money selling her story and like making <laughs> movie adaptations and stuff. No, yeah. So she's like living in. I mean, she's like super. She's super bad PTSD is like super paranoid. So she's built like a fortress like out in the English countryside. What? And she started, but because they never found the other guy, they never found the cousin who ran off with the box. He took the box with him, Uh-oh. and then she starts seeing him like around her property. And so like it's like oh shit. Then the ghosts start like infringing on her her fortress. Uh, so uh, I, I won't <laughs> what? Really spoil. Yeah, yeah, I gotta read it. Like yeah, that's that's really intriguing. Um, yeah, damn, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Once again, Netflix is a bunch of cowards for not doing these weird Adam Neville twists in yes. the movie adaptation. Yes. I mean, I understand it. it's hard to squeeze all that into a movie. I get why you cut it out, but still. It's God, a that series. That would work it. really well. Like, well, you know. Like, yeah, it would be like, well, no, see, one, that's the no, thing one like, out, like no one gets out alive would be a fantastic like yeah, six episode well, miniseries. I, I fucking love a time jump, you know, like in a series. And like, it's so rare you find like a series that does a great job with that, too. God, I'm trying to think of anything recently. Like there was something. Um, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's, it's arcane. Like three episodes in, like it jumps forward like a decade. Like, and it's great. It, it really makes the world feel lived in and, like, larger uh, and, and for it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, just the the thing is, you're, you you got to make a series. Like, it's something that's yeah. it's just you need slightly longer form television than than two hours. Yeah, No One Gets Out Alive would, would make a really good five or six episode miniseries. That would give you a, all the time yeah, that I'm miniseries. saying you need to just, like, really fucking wallow around in the misery and just like reach rock bottom and all of that stuff and then you'd have the you'd have the room for for the 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 creative twist the jump ahead in time the change of setting yeah i i would love to see that not gonna happen but i'd love to see it uh i'd love to see it love to see it uh are y'all ready to rate this one Yeah. yeah mine as well um, I, I will say I, I liked this one a little bit better the second time around just cause I caught more. There's a fun nod to the ritual in, uh, in this movie where at one point they're like, uh, there's a radio on in the background or a TV on in the background. It's like coming up the next story. We'll find out what happened to those four hikers who were lost in the Swedish <laughs> wilderness. So mm-hmm. 
That's neat. Nice little nod to the ritual. Uh, when she's exploring the study, uh, when she opens up the book and like finds like the picture, uh, it's just straight straight up, I noticed this time the book is on a page of the exact goddess that is in the basement of East Papalodal. Um, anyway, there's some fun little details. I have some problems with, like, the second third of this movie. Uh, I think it glosses over a little bit too much and doesn't quite have enough time to build the atmosphere it needs. But dope monster, good ending, strong start. Uh, three and a half out of five for me. Three and a half. Interesting, yeah. I really liked it. I think um, I, I liked getting sort of like an understanding of the lore through the ghosts uh, where we learn about how the the father of the, the two men uh, is the person who brought the, the artifact yes. back. He was the, the archaeologist. Yeah, and so like that's sort of how we, we get that, that backstory through like the ghosts reenacting it um, in horrifying ways. And uh, I, I love that shit. It was very Bioshocky to me. Like it was very fun um, and spooky. Uh, again, really fucking cool monster at the end and lots of nice setup for it as well like lots of cool sequences with the box what's in the box what's in the box four a good four um no one gets out alive talk about false advertising <laughs> one bitch gets out alive <laughs> well does she get out though she stops at the door that's true that's true uh, does she actually she get does. out yeah in yeah. in the movie no one does they should have ended alive. it with a question mark I guess. No, no he gets out alive alive question mark? <laughs> um but but in the all, end question mark <laughs> oh now in all seriousness though like this had a very similar issue to seance in that like the third act was so much better than the rest of the movie mm. um and so much more fun um i found this kind of a generic underbaked affair and like it's a r- real bummer because that creature is so awesome and like you said like the beginning and the end are both just excellent and you know it's hard not to compare it to the ritual you know in terms of material and approach but i i just felt like it it could have been so much more um and it left me wanting more I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five. Uh, All right. Well, that will give No One Gets Out Alive an average of 3.3 out of five. No one gets out a five in this episode. (laughs) Uh, No one gives out a five. No one gives out a five. (laughs) Close. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, well, that's... that's 2021 in the dirt for now. Uh, Next week... In the earth. In the earth. My favorite horror film of 2021. Yeah. That's where we've put 2021, into Earth. Into Earth. It came from to Earth, and it shall return to to Earth. Uh, but, <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? I don't fucking know, man. Uh, next, week is our, is. next week is our first new film of 2022. Fuck you, it's January, starting out with a bang. Hey. Uh, next week is Scream. Scream 5. Scream. I don't want no Scream. Scream is a guy won't get no love from me. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> next, next week we're, uh, we're doing our first discussion of Scream as a franchise at all with Scream 5. So, we're, we're doing yeah. a grog all over again. We're doing, we're doing a grog we, all over we've again. Never see, we've never seen a grog and we saw the new grog and now we're doing it with Scream. And now we're doing a Scream. Hey, so, they're, they're all the same. Yeah. 
I've, I like the I'm first curious. one. I, I, I love the first one. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, with the Grug, we'd never seen a Grug. No. But with with Screm, we we have actually We've seen, seen Screm some Screms, yeah, but never, seen all we never on the podcast. We never talked yeah, about a Screm. never talked about it on the podcast. But we have seen a Screm, at least. Yes. We, we do have a, a point of, of Screm of reference for Scream. Anyway, our sponsor this week is brought to you by our sponsor. Uh, <laughs> 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 and that is... <laughs> And that is an acoustic cover of Dope Smoker. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Hell yeah. Damn, uh, the sponsor self shelf really knows your tastes, doesn't it, It really tease? does know my tastes. <laughs> yeah, uh, what would that sound like? Uh, I, I can't. I, just Riff City, man. Yeah. yeah, but just acoustic. Yeah. Wow, how about it? Incredible. I can't, I can't make my mouth make those sounds. But I want, I want an acoustic cover of Dope Smoker. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that'll do it. That'll do it for us this week. If you like the show, leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash, you guessed it, podpeoplepod. Wow. Find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Damn. You can find me on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. Oh, that's crazy. I'm on Twitter uh, sometimes. <laughs> Tweeting is Light Arc Studio. Um, and you can find my work on Art Station. Uh, uh, putting out work for It Stares Back. Uh, you know where to find us. Um, uh, you know where it's at. You know where it's at. Search, search It Stares Back. We come up. Uh, we're on Steam. Um, and, uh, you can also find my work on dreadxp.com. And I believe as of this airing, Sucker for Love is out. Yo, go date an elder goddess. Have you ever, like, looked at Lovecraft's Pantheon and thought, yo, I want to, I want to hit that. I want to smooch. I want to smooch Cthulhu. You can do that. Go get, go get Sucker for Love. And look, like, here's the thing, right? Like, I'm, I I try to be fairly self-aware with these sorts of things. This game, like, hits hits the fucking, like, Venn diagram of, like, Lovecraft and, like, anime nerdy shit, like, perfectly down the center, like, threads the needle. Um, it's, if you're a Lovecraft fan, like, you're gonna really appreciate, like, the 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 comedy there like it's it's got some really good references to like the the pantheon and the mythos it gets pretty obscure like the creator really knew what they were doing and um the the animation is hilarious like it's it's really good go go check out sucker for love i'm trying to get me an as a thought you can you have that power now (laughs) uh well that'll do it for us this week and uh now on the way out you will be hearing either Alice in Chains or Dope Smoker. I haven't decided yet, but you'll Maybe be, both. You'll you be hearing that now. I am the dope with the smoke. 